0: I'm Anna Webb, welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey Mr. Binks, you know how much I love dog training and how I love doing it properly for positive reinforcement and face-to-face in person I think is best. But we're living in a modern world This is why we're jumping on Zoom to go over to San Francisco to speak to John Poncharu, who's invented a device called Companion, which just might help pet parents with their dog training. John, welcome to A Dog's Life.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: No, it's great. It's um, quite good fun, actually, to be Zooming over to California.
1: We love it out here. I'm sorry to hear about muggy England. If you want to come over for some California heat, just let it, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll host you at our headquarters at the SFSPCA.
0: Well, you know, that's an invitation um, that might be hard to refuse, John. So be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, we,
1: we love hosting folks. It's real. It's, I um I never thought in my career that I'd be able to host really fun people at an office above one of the largest animal shelters on the West coast it's just really fun and we love showing people the office
0: well and no, it's a great location and um let's explain you know why you have your headquarters there
1: yeah sure so um our companions um by background we've created a device that can automatically interact with animals to do wonderful things for the animal and the relationship the animal has with the pet parent. So enrichment, practicing training, a variety of health items, which we're starting to share more on. And originally our thought was, how can we deploy this to all of the shelters out there? Specifically, when we noticed that training, um, practicing training actually really increases adoption rates and really decreases adoption returns, like, oh my God, what if, what if technology could help us help train animals to make them like not not only more comfortable and less anxious in a shelter environment when they originally onboarded, but also make them more likely to be adopted and more likely to stay adopted. And so our very first product in companion was actually a box, um, was a companion unit that was designed to sit in shelters and dayboarding facilities that could work with up to 10 dogs at a time or 10 dogs a day and to do practice all the basic obedience skills that help with the human animal bond and help maintain the human animal bond.
0: Well, this sounds really brilliant, John. This sounds really brilliant. Now, artificial intelligence has really been in the news a lot. Mm -hmm. Some good things, but also I know here over in the UK, you know, there's been lots of talk of regulating it. And I know, you know, I don't know that much about it. I'm quite proud to call myself a bit of a Luddite, really, John, you know. (laughs) Yep. I like things the old fashioned way. It's my age, I think, to be honest with you. But, you know, I'm intrigued by this device companion because you reached out, your PR team reached out to do a podcast. And I was like, what is this? So, you know, I've researched quite a bit and I am interested. I see lots of benefits of this. But also, you know, I've got a few concerns, you know, but let's talk about how you decided to invent this and your background with technology that led to this really quite revolutionary robot.
1: Oh, cool. Well, um, that sounds wonderful. Let's talk through all those things. So. by way of background, I spent most of my early career in technology. So I had degrees in mechanical, aeronautical, and system engineering. I like to think of myself as very dorky. I I love to build things. And I had roles at um, this management consulting firm. I had roles with, um, and I got very lucky joining three different technology startups in fields I cared about um the first one was in clean energy using nanotechnology to give lithium ion batteries much more energy and we're actually ex- that company went public and we're now producing batteries for electric cars in china today I'm, I'm really proud of that one did another one in cloud which is um far less interesting probably for your audience <laughs> so i'll skip that one um but, but that one also got really lucky and then did um i got to help with actually our current independent board members company at companion and he started a company called Velo3D, which went public a couple years ago, but um, he created a way to 3D print titanium for things like um, SpaceX and space shuttles and that kind of stuff, which is super cool. So my my background is um, getting to look at kind of brand new technologies and help try to figure out like, how can we use that to solve a problem that is um, that I, one I care about, but also is, is meaningful. And with companion and then I was at Google and I should, I should mention, I was also at Google for some time working with, um, uh, a variety of the early technology units from what Google called Google X to, um, research with uh, Google research, which is a lot of the AI stuff. And then also a little bit with those, um, crazy robotics companies like Boston dynamics and others that have like the robotic running dog and all that, what, um, kind of working with those amazingly smart people and like creative people um, kind of drove to me was how much technology was going to help us pick up on all of the communication that dogs already exhibit to us and that we'd love to know more about specifically the idea that dogs, animals generally including ourselves, like communicate so much through movement and posture um, especially if you don't have a vocal, a verbal language like us humans do, mm-hmm. but it's. I'm it's with you so, on that. I'm really with so, you on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so important, right? Like, how is your dog? It, you can tell if your dog's anxious. You can tell if, like, the simple things, like your dog needs to go outside if it's by the door, but also like the little, the things you pick up on, right? Like, is your dog anxious? Is your dog sad? Like, you can get a sense of like how your dog, dog's um, movements um, uh, communicates that, and you have that fact paired with this idea that we now have all of these sensors all of these cameras all over the world whether it's in like the camera um, that you look at your computer when you're talking to someone whether it's the camera in your doorbell but we now have those devices are capable of picking up all of that movement and posture with much more precision with infinite patience and with perfect memory and so if you think about all of these animals all over the world are emitting this communication, but we get, can't pick up on it. We don't have great memories, but now we have all of these devices that are exploding all over the place and um, perfectly pick up on it for us. Like there's no way that these devices don't help us pick up on these subtle patterns that we really want to know about. We want to know like how our dog's doing. We want to know what our dog's feeling. Um, and companion is that technology distilled into something that can help your dog lead a better life through enrichment, through training, like every single day for hours a day.
0: It really sounds really interesting, but already, you know, some questions for you. I agree completely on body posture and perhaps dogs disguising pain because they're very, very good at that. And on your website, there's a great video that highlights how Companion can kind of screenshot the dog, I suppose. Uh, Please excuse my...
1: (laughs) No, I know know, what you mean. You're communicating perfectly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Word can screenshot the dog when, you know, they'll say a puppy and then monitor it daily and, and so on. Brilliant. But a lot of communication between dogs and owners happens in the moment that perhaps wouldn't happen with a machine you know totally agree. stuff like eye contact like the robot hasn't mm-hmm. got eyes that are eyes. have you know do you know what i mean so it's that Actual living, being, breathing, cellular human that the dog has adapted with for, you know, 30,000 30, years. Mm-hmm. You know, we've evolved so closely, um, really epigenetically, so that we've done a great job in domesticating the dog. You know, it's, it's extraordinary. Dogs know what pointing means. Chimpanzees don't, which I love, you know, to be honest. And, and the robot can't point, can it? You know, so... That's where I feel there's some limitations.
1: Totally agree. So that we are at our highest aspiration. We are a supplement to the human-animal bond. And we are a, a way that you can have confidence that if you are having to work from home or if you're away from home, that your dog can be having a great time throughout the day. And when the device is there, you can either practice the skills that help build human-animal bond, like the basic training skills and help maintain the human-animal bond, but also that your dog has a little bit of a watchful eye out for it at home in terms of the very basic things like eating an appetite up to the very advanced things like some of the things we're starting to publish on, um, such as the dog's body condition score and um, some of the other things that we'll be rolling out later this year. In answer to your question, um, we, so one of, Let me put it this way. If you ask the SFSPCA why they were excited about um, having hosting us, uh, our office there, they would say it's the human-animal bond. That one of our advisors, the chief veterinary officer of Zoetis, who's also the founder of the Human Animal Bond Research Institute and formerly joined companion a couple years ago as an advisor, he would say that like the idea that while you can't be with your dog, we all want to be with your dog 100% of the time, you and me included, but we have to work, we have to do other things. And so in that idle time, if you can use that time to do useful things that are shown, like practicing sit, not for a couple a couple hundred times, but a couple thousand over the period of 6, 12, 18 months to the sound of your own voice, or critical like mission critical things like recall, if you really want to be sure that if you're out and about in your dog, you can get your dog's attention and get them to come over to you if you need to. These things that not only help answer the question of, does your dog listen to you? It helps your dog learn to listen to those audio cues and continue to be really um, attentive to them. But they also make it so that you get to spend more time with your dog in more confidence. It, so I think most of us struggle when we do a pet training class, we do a dog training class for six months and we're, and we're so excited by the result, right? But then if you don't keep practicing, it kind of dulls over time, which is how behavior work, or how behavior works in terms of having a half-life if you don't practice part of the big value of companion is that the companion unit works with your animal day in and day out to practice um, and keep all those skills fresh so that you get to live more with your dog.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. You know, I mean, look, I'm, I, I do behavior work. So I, I see all this happening, you know, um, on, on pretty much on a daily basis with people getting perhaps bored, getting frustrated, not being able to commit the time to training, underestimating the amount of training dogs need. But how would you train the recall, though, when you're indoors with the robot? Mm-hmm. There's no distractions. You see a recall, you know, from my book of training, you go out, you test your dog's recall in the park, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, you know there's this saying certainly in in england with training that a sit is never a sit until you've proofed it in at least 11 different locations
1: i love that so 100 <laughs> agree and so part of um with companion we are a tool we are by no means completely animal behavior in a box like that would no actually that's not what we want to do um because we want To make it really easy for every pet parent to have superpowers in terms of their own training skills. At the end end of the day, and the same thing on the health side, we are a tool for a veterinarian for what we can do for health, and we are a tool for behavior training enrichment for what we can do for a pet parent. And what I mean by this tactically is, if say your dog graduates sit one hundred and one as part of the companion curriculum, and it's done five hundred or a thousand sits. Um, At the end of that curriculum, we would say, you know, uh, pet parent, your dog would love to show off its new skill. Why don't you come into the training area tonight as your dog's doing a couple sessions and we'll transfer, help generalize the command from the device to the human. And then once we have done that, we will say pet parent, like one of the things that's really helpful is for you to close the loop with your dog, practice this behavior with them. And why don't you take them out for a walk tonight in your local dog park and go to some very quiet areas and practice this this way go to some medium level noise areas and practice some more sets. And then over time, go to some very noisy, distracting areas and practice sets. And you do that over the coming handful of weeks and months to help the dog generalize. And then we'll always be at home. The companion will always be there after that to help the dog continue to practice. And the device, we actually haven't done this to date, but I mean, the device also has a very high grade speaker and it can do things like mimic noises of the street, mimic noises of things that um, can drive anxiety with animals. And we're excited about that in part because you can actually do things like noisy sensitization um, with, you know, to the sound of thunder, to the sound of uh, truck brakes, um, but in a device that's able to watch the animal for anxiety at the same time of counter conditioning and being very, very patient. So all that to say is, um, well, I tell you what, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, does that make
0: sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense. So I see. So it's almost like you're setting a training program with the pet parent as well. So, yeah, it, yeah. Oh, that's that's yeah. a great way to look at it.
1: Yeah. It's like it's almost like we're, we're we're we have two customers and we have two folks we're training. So we have the dog is there actually I do believe this is one of the first devices to be really designed for the dog first as opposed to the pet parent first but also like that we've designed it so that not only does the pet parent think the dog's having a blast, but we want the pet parent to have a blast and feel as though we've made this experience far easier, far more easy to not only do the right, the number of repetitions you need to practice, but also give them insight into their dog's behavior, their dog's health, but almost be like, um, it's it's really, we wanna be a resource for the pet parent kind of be in their corner.
0: You know, I like this. I mean, I do because post pandemic, a lot of people now are finding it difficult to look after their puppy that they bought in the pandemic. So doggy daycare here in London, for example, is soaring, you know, dog walkers, um, you know, are soaring in their services that they offer and, and so on. But ironically, there's now dog laws coming in to kind of balance all of this as things have kind of got a bit out of control with a lot of dog walkers not being able to control all the dogs that they have at one go, you know, because I feel that really two dogs is enough to walk at any one given time, you know, because in the event of an incident, you you know, a dog might slip their collar and run to a main road. What do you do with your other five dogs, you know, that's so I see that this is, is a good device to really take away from those third party services, which one of my big bugbears is, it's down to so much um, humanization of the dog that goes on that, I think some pet parents feel that, yeah, my toddler goes to nursery school, so my dog must go to doggy daycare, when in fact, yes, your toddler should go to nursery school because it's human, but dogs are pre-programmed to stay with their, back in inverted commas, and you, the pet parent, should be the focus of their world, so that when you say, Fido, come, they come to you, and consistency, of course, is key. So the more third parties that are involved with your dog, the less consistency you're going to have which is basically the key I think to training what do you think John?
1: I think consistency is really important and I would I would actually so I would say this which is one of the things we try to do is recognize that we are by no means the experts we believe very strongly in certain approaches so positive reinforcement, fear-free. We brought the founder of fear-free and the CEO on the board, to Companion. But we also work with folks like Ken Ramirez, the chief training officer of Karen Pryor to make sure that we are using what um, experts would agree are some of the leading training protocols. And then we benefit massively from some of the inherent characteristics of technology being that um, a computer, a machine can do things perfectly consistently every single time they can be infinitely patient so i think to your comment around consistency i 100 agree i think the um i think that to your point around being always with your animal kind of as a pack 100 agree and some of the things that we were no, no one was excited to see the explosion of separation anxiety that happened during the pandemic that was there's a it's gonna be a very very acutely painful thing for a dog and an owner one of the things we were gladdened to see was that it looks like some of the side effects of these types of devices can have an immediate, wonderful effect on the symptoms of things like separation anxiety or hyperattachment. We actually we actually published. Um, we've been relatively quiet for the last number of years, but we on the one paper we did publish with our partners at the SFSPCA, it was in the Journal of Veterinary Behavior. Um, which showed the rapid turnaround of one of the case studies we had done with them with an animal and a pet parent using a companion device to help with separation anxiety. So it's still very early days for that. And we don't like we're very careful about what we advertise there because we really want to focus on enrichment training and some of the health stuff because we have more proof points there. But I do believe we're going to see some really compelling solutions to some of the acute problems around animal anxiety and being away from the owner so i I know i covered a handful of different topics there was did i did i hit on what you're looking for
0: yeah, yeah. Look, this is all really, really interesting. Um, yeah, because you know, the, there's been other devices, obviously not the same, not using artificial intelligence um, before, where owners have pet parents, I should say rather, have um, you know a smartphone and there's a video on in indoors, and they can look at their pet and make sure the pet's okay, and then. I think a couple of them are voice activated, so you can kind of have a conversation with your dog. So actually not like companion at all. And on Mm -hmm. those ones, I've kind of postulated that they could make the dog more anxious because Mm -hmm. the dog could think, well, well, where are they? Have they gone to Mm -hmm. heaven? Are they talking to me? Who's this? Is this like some spirit that's, um, you know, and it could heighten anxiety in some dogs. And I think that's something I want to postulate to you really as well, that dogs are so different. One Labrador might be completely different to another Labrador. So tailoring things to an individual dog, I only say this because uh, my favorite breed, and I've I've got one here is a bull terrier. Now, Mm, So, I mean, (laughs) one day I'd love to try companion with Prudence, actually. I mean, she is already really well trained. Oh, I
1: love that name.
0: I'm just yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just wondering how she would react to it because they she is prone to frustration. Mm -hmm. And I know I've watched the video and it is so Karen Pryor. I mean I'm I'm mad about clicker training. I love it. Um, I might just wish Oh gosh, yes, totally. Don't shoot the dog was, you know, one of my first ever books that I absolutely love. Um, But you know, pet parents find it clumsy with the clicker. So when I'm doing behavior sessions, I try to let them do a thumb up because of course, Mm -hmm. that's how you work with a deaf dog. And Mm -hmm. bull terrier is born after efforts joke. So I find a thumb up because it's on your hand already. You don't have to remember it. You don't drop it. You don't lose it. It's on your hand. Thumb up. And that's your marker. I like that. But I I see Mm -hmm. that with companion, you use a clear yes. Which is the marker? Because <laughs> obviously the robot doesn't have a thumb um, or a clicker on it. But, but you know, so so I see what you're doing. It's it's great. It is all you know, all the science, the theory is there, you know. But it, it is this thing with individual dogs. I could see Prudence trying to headbutt Companion
1: <laughs> and just say, "Listen, we haven't have gonna... had that happen yet." Well, yeah, <laughs> but I
0: think you should try with some Bull Terriers because they are known to be the only breed that is untrainable.
1: I would argue that that, that that's a fantastic use case for a device like Companion which has infinite patience so that um, yeah but the dog actually...
0: doesn't have infinite patience that's the difference <laughs> okay yeah I agree. it's true
1: the um there is a handful of really good questions there i'm trying to write them down as quickly as i can to make sure i hit them all you, <laughs> but um one of the this is an anecdote one of the decisions we made early on um and something we're constantly asked about is does this work with cats and mm-hmm. the answer is yes you can train a cat in very in some of the same behaviors we um it's just less intuitive for consumers for pet parents to realize they can't which is the only reason and it's actually a perfect use case for a companion because it requires the patience of a saint to train a cat i know um, i've trained was, a
0: cat oh john my cat passed two weeks ago so i'm a little oh, sore talking about no it's okay and I, I trained him to do high fives his cool. Yeah, oh gosh, easily, peasy. I'm quite good actually as a trainer. Um, That's great. But yeah, wonderful. Uh, And yes, of course, you can train a cat.
1: And but the only reason we didn't start with that as a product was um, just it was less common for people to use training services of a dog versus cat, right? So that we started with dogs, but it would work very well on an animal that. um, And the other thing I'd say is that the curriculum of Companion automatically moves at whatever speed the dog would like, because it's all opt in for the dog. The dog is free to leave at any time. The companion has to earn your dog's um, trust and your dog's um, respect or not respect, but the companion has to communicate how much fun the dog can have with companions. So it's not just teaching and watching for different levels of frustration and adjusting to the dog, but also just constant playing games, having fun, which is keeping the animal around like, around and interested is a big chunk. And then you also mentioned before a little bit about, um, an animal reacting to like a voice on a device or, um, kind of, you know, with someone kind of randomly throwing treats at it, 100% agree that our hypothesis and that I don't, um, I always avoid saying ill, speaking ill of others, and I, I'm not going to hear. But I would, what I would say is that we have seen devices in shelters that you know allowed um, potential adoptees on, online to kind of look into an animal in an enclosure and then randomly throw treats out. And unfortunately, those shelters have had to rip those devices out within a period of a couple of weeks, early you know weeks or months because they drive anxiety in animals. Um, it's the definition, like, by reinforcing an animal randomly. Um, that is the definition almost of how you get superstitious behaviors. So an animal like, oh, like I went over to this side of the pen and I got a reward. I wonder if that's what did it. And to your point, like one of the really fun things that my colleagues and I had the opportunity to do along with folks like Ken Ramirez and others is really think about this device from the perspective of a dog. Like to your point, a dog, like hearing some random voice of some stranger kind of out loud, they don't even know where it's coming from, let alone what it might mean. Should they be responsive to it or not? Um, I'm really proud that we've designed this device so that that's not possible. Like we've been very thoughtful with making sure that not only is the physical device very affable to a dog, the right colors, the right textures, the right smells, but also all of the software is designed. So you can't override the, the behavioral protocols that are fear-free, positive reinforcement, um, based that we've put into the device so it's it's not there's no mode where a stranger or even a pet parent actually can talk with an animal live because it actually can cause anxiety the companion independently works with your dog using that software and if you want to do something fun like you could imagine a future in which we do like a little heart touch which you press a button in the app and the device will call over your dog for like a little sit and a little have a little fun but the companion's always meant to mediate that interaction. So there's no chance of causing the anxiety that might be caused by um, some direct um, unknown interaction on behalf of someone kind of injecting their own voice.
0: Okay, yeah, no, I get that. There's also, so yeah, really interesting, John, really interesting so far. Now, I guess all of this has been inspired by your own love of dogs.
1: Yeah, so it's a simple combination of I it's always comes down to to some extent of like what you're passionate about what like a problem you want to solve and here it's at this at its essence is we want to be able i really want to be able to understand what dogs are saying to us and they communicate most of it through movement and posture i really i really want to give my dog a really wonderful day at home as much interaction and in enrichment as he wants with his like getting exercise his own primal drives And I also like recognize that I can't put 10,000 repetitions on sit or down or recall. And I love the fact that we can help people do that and keep those skills really fresh. And I didn't really explain this before, but what I mean by living more with your dog is if having really good recall, having really good sit, having really good sit stay is immensely helpful. If you are somewhat nervous about bringing your dog to a noisy environment, whether it's work, whether it's a new dog park, having these having these training skills really well polished and continually polished gives you more confidence, which then allows you to spend more time with your dog. Mm. So it's this fun combination of, so that means you go to the dog park more, you might bring your dog to work more or, and like that is really exciting to me. It's not, it's take away all of the drudgery of trying to do a thousand, ten thousand repetitions of something. So it becomes really, really fluent um, help with that but always making sure that the owner knows they are completing the loop of that. It's, it's all about giving them that superpower. Um, and then as a consequence of that, not only filling that idle potentially anxious time at home, allowing that owner to actually spend more quality time with their dog in more places. Like that just seems like such a cool win-win.
0: I think it's brilliant. I think, I think, I think it's great, but I think the pet parent has to be involved, has to take this, so long as the pet parent doesn't think, oh yeah, my dog's brilliant. He could do a thousand sits at home. He's so good at the sit, but take him out onto the you know, pavement and he won't sit because there's far too much else going on. There's like a squirrel over there. You know, there's another dog. (laughs) Oh my gosh, there's a jogger. It's like, oh my God, that kid's on a skateboard. And that's where your training comes in. Yes, you said earlier, but so long as that aspect, the dog's got to go out.
1: (laughs) And at the end of the day, like we 100% agree with that statement with exactly what you're saying, because, and I'll give the analogy on the veterinarian side. So we're, we're starting to make more announcements on what the technology can also do on the health side, which we're really proud of. And we've been very direct in communicating with all of our veterinarian partners that this is a tool for them. There is no instance where a device should automatically make a diagnosis, automatically kind of intercede in any medical form without looping in the veterinarian because they are ultimately the most important part of an animal's care um, after the pet parent. And the in the same way with behavior, the pet parent is always the most important part of the interaction with the animal. Like we view ourselves as a guide, as a tool, as a way to give you more leverage on your time. But to your point early to our conversation earlier, a big chunk of what the value we can bring is also making those techniques for how the pet parents can then explore, generalize the behaviors, make them better. That's a, that's a big chunk of what we're good at too.
0: I think, you know, pet parents could really benefit from companion. I I love the health benefit side. I know I read a piece about how a companion can monitor obesity, which, of course, uh, I think in the States, it's as bad as it is here, where I think 50 percent of all dogs are, you know, fat. I will say the word. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not good because that promotes Diabetes now in dogs, which never used to even be a thing in dogs, and are, you know, arthritis, heart disease, and you know, early, early death from, you know, lack of movement. Mm-hmm. So I think that that aspect's interesting. You know, I notice actually one of my big things is not to have slippy floors in a home. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go into a consult, the first thing parents hate me for is saying I'm sorry the floors are no good um see how your dog's skidding on the floor oh mm-hmm. over time that's going to cause micro lesions and they're going to come back to bite you and so on and so I, I make everybody buy runners that are attached to the floor so <laughs> you. Or, you know big squares of carpet or whatever rugs you know that are stuck on so that because dogs love a nice purchase under their feet so that's something I do but yeah so, so I don't know whether other advice like that would would form part of the package. Oh, I with, love that. There's <laughs> an idea yeah. for free.
1: <laughs> and I view, um, I think that's super cool. I think like at the very least, we want to try to capture some of maybe the best lessons from like a Ken Ramirez or a Mike, like on the behavior side or training side, than like a Mike McFarland on the veterinary side or a Marty Becker on the fear-free side and make those available to folks. Mm. I think that we we view this device as being a tool for the trainer that the pet parent might be working with. So like, I still think that, and actually the trainers we've talked to typically view this as a, the companion as a wonderful thing because what it allows them to do is to have intensive training sessions with the pet parent and the animal, and specifically on the things that you just highlighted, or highlighted earlier, which are like, we can't do, we can't help you with le- with leash behaviors. We can't help, the companion can't help with situational items besides giving you really good grounded, basic, you know, basic training skills. But we're a big believer in having, um, as much as you can, having a wonderful relationship with a trainer and a behaviorist. And then the companion can essentially help you know, do the homework. <laughs> so it can help do some of the repetitions that a lot of these things really need. And it what it can do is provide candid um shots of movement to your it's animals typically move very differently in a clinical setting or an unknown setting is composed as opposed to how they um, move at home but much more candidly much more relaxed and so just the actually the ability to be able to monitor record the candid movements is uh, really valuable for behaviors and veterinarians especially and just to say on the i know i was kind of vague on the health side let me let me our the BCS, the kind of the animal obesity um, you mentioned, 100% yeah, yeah. agree. We're super excited about that. Like It's more animals. It's the number one health problem in the U.S. when it comes to dogs. It essentially leads to shorter, worse lives mm-hmm. uh, in terms of exactly as you said it. And then one of the other things I hope to be able to make more, more about it public is for the last three or so, maybe more years, we've been able – the companion unit and the companion service – has been able to tell when one of our users' dogs is in pain and the owner doesn't know. Um, Simply because of what you just highlighted, which triggered the thought to mention this, but at the highest level, what the device is looking for is how is your animal moving? And with the benefit of the perfect memory that a computer has, it can see if your dog is moving subtly differently of a week ago versus six months ago versus five years ago with perfect memory. So that if your dog might be if your dog might be a slightly overweight and actually might have some of those symptoms you just mentioned, like osteoarthritis coming on, we believe the companion's gonna be in a great position as an early warning system to say in the ideal world, we would give you a um, your dog is good for a walk to yes, it looks a little sore, but it's it's just sore from its front. Their day or something like, you know what, we think the soreness is actually indicative and look very similar to some of these other conditions we've seen. Take this video of your animal's interactions with the companion, distill down and go talk to your veterinarian about um, taking a look at uh, uh, what they're seeing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And maybe the vet will, you know, prescribe massage or physiotherapy, hydrotherapy. There's so many for for joint issues, musculoskeletal issues, there's a lot that can be done. You know without just you know firing painkillers at, at the dog you know so you're really treating the cause of the problem rather than the symptom that's certainly where i come from from my study with the mm-hmm. college of integrated veterinary therapies but again yes you know I, I i like i really like that aspect so i think a lot of pet parents don't see their dogs put on weight you know you you just sometimes don't see it on yourself do you let's be let's be honest you know um, until you try on a <laughs> pair of trousers you haven't worn for two years and they don't fit um yep. so you know, so i think that from a health perspective is is a really positive aspect. So I'm all about confirmation with dogs. I'm 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 really kind of specific on that. I like to see a flat top line and you know, the more time you actually spend with your dog knowing what you're looking at, then you can do it intuitively. But of course, a lot of pet parents now are first-time pet parents. So mm-hmm. they won't necessarily know. And and I think in a way, this is all you know. An education. A lot of people don't even know how to train their dog through positive reinforcement. How do you train a sit? You know, no idea of of the easiest thing in the world to train, but for me. But um, then with companion backing up, I see, I see all the logic. You know, I'm I'm warming to all of this, John, a lot more. And um, you know, I'm loving I'm loving your enthusiasm for it and your passion coming through. Because yes, if it can keep dogs unabandoned, you know, keep dogs. With their pet parents for 15 plus years that's a great thing you know we're seeing in the uk a lot of dogs shelters are brimful they're bursting the cost of living crisis isn't helping either so it's, it's quite a bleak horizon out there now for dogs
1: yes and so maybe to as a way to put an end cap on kind of all of the more advanced things i mentioned on health on bcs on pain that's we're super excited about all that but if we could if we could just help fill the idle hours with things that help exercise the dog's fundamental drives and gives those dogs a better life at home, which the companion does, we will have, we will be very proud. We will be very happy with that result. The fact that we can, we believe we can do all these other things and we're starting to show that is even more exciting, but to your point, just allowing these loved ones at home to have a really awesome day every day and you, and you get set proof of that with videos coming to your phone. It's just really fun.
0: So quick question. Can can you kind of get the, the companion to, you know, do fun things? Like maybe you hide something like a Kong stuffed with something delicious, um, somewhere mm-hmm. where the, the dog might not be able to access it easily when you're out. And then could the companion be programmed at a certain time in the day or whatever to say, hey, Fido, it's time for your Kong. Go find it. Um, oh. Or is
1: Yeah, yeah. sorry, I love it. I I am too enthusiastic occasionally. (laughs) And my exclamation becomes an interruption, which I didn't mean. No, it's fine. um, The the short answer is yes. So our customers can already start a session just by pressing a button on the device. They can press a button on their phone, whether they're at home or whether they're away. And they can also schedule sessions throughout the day. And so whether it's starting a companion session, um, it could be a game, it could be practicing training, it could be something else, something behavioral related. Um, it can be a variety. It's very, very flexible. It's meant so that um, you can, it can be like a treat that you put it kind of a la carte, like you get to control every single one, or you can set it so that your dog gets 10 different sessions throughout the day at 20 minutes at a time. And one of the things that um, was really fun to see, and actually something my dog and I do too, which is we feed 100% of our dog's um, calories through the device. So not just kind of the 20% of treats that you might use for just training only, but also we mix in his kibble with the treats, so that every other, you know every four or five dispenses he gets a treat um, in addition to his kibble, and he basically gets to work and have fun with his meal, eating slowly over the period of the day versus just one big gulp at the end of the day. And you, we've seen people kind of do this either with you know like do all the week they you know all through the week they feed 100% of the companion, then they might do some fresh meals on the weekend for fun. But it, um, it it you could consider it kind of the world's most advanced food puzzle, if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Mm, only problem is some people don't feed kibble. I'll let you yes. think on that one. <laughs> exactly. Um, then that w- might not work so well. But, John, so when might this be coming to the UK?
1: Yeah, so... Um as soon as we can satisfy the demand in the US and we have the bandwidth to do other countries is a simple answer. We want to make it as quickly as we possibly can. Um, we're shipping to, uh, I think the first ship date we made available for next year was February. And Right now we're sold out until August of 24, I think. But our intention is to sell out the first two years of production within the next couple of months here. And I'd like to make them there's nothing about the device that is US specific besides the the power adapter. And we'd like to make it available to the UK as soon as we can. Um, but I just, I don't have a timeline on that now. And, but we do have, what I would say is, we actually have, um, in addition to Mars and a couple of venture firms really proud of and a couple of animal charities that have invested, we've also had investors from places like Australia. Um, so we have, a, we have a vested interest in um, expanding out globally as quickly as we can
0: well, no, fantastic. well, please come back on, John when um that moment of crossing the pond is about to happen, and it would be great to meet you in person and I'd love to have a an experience with the companion as uh, you know it's it's all it, you know it's the future, it's something I appreciate you have to embrace technology. you mustn't be afraid of technology, <laughs> speaking about myself.
1: and um
0: yeah yeah so um no really great look thank you for this conversation just um what's your dog called and what breed is he
1: we have this wonderful dog named boomer who you can find on our website he Mm. think so he's a rescue from the sms pca he's about five he's got this he's got this beagle face and we think that you can see the dachshund in his body but he's this the funny he's this, the one of most wonderful little dog like he is a snuggler so like he's often like you'll catch him in the morning with his head propped up on the pillow next to you and like under the covers which is pretty fun um and he's also um a little athletic guy but he's pretty small he's like you know 25 30 pounds and uh anyway long story um short you can see him on the website we I've
0: seen him I, I know which dog no lovely I thought he was some yeah, I thought he was a puggle at first, actually. Yeah, um, we get that. Yeah, 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 pug cross with a a, a beagle. But uh, there's definitely beagle there. And um, it's so good to adopt and give dogs a second chance. So I admire you being so closely, you know, connected to SPCA in the States. We call it the RSPCA here. But, yes, that's great. Yeah, so, John, look, thank you so much. And please stay in touch. Will
1: do. Thank you so much for having us.
0: So I'll show you Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yeah, yep, yeah, okay. I'm sure we'll get to trial one when it comes to the UK and you can make your mind up then. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. Please remember that when you're training, the key is consistency, lots of repetitions, and of course, plenty of tasty treats. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again, of course, to John Honcheru for joining us today and all the links to Companion of in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer, for all the music and production as ever. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday so why don't you subscribe now it's free and that way you'll never miss another show bye for now